Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Liz Popwell, Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer at Stony Brook Medicine. Liz, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. I always enjoy talking with you. Now, I know we've got a lot to, to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare right now, and especially thinking through what you're doing at Stony Brook Medicine, just some fascinating work. And But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, I'm happy to. So um, again, Liz Popwell, Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer. I've been here at Stony Brook Medicine for um, coming on uh, my one-year anniversary here in July. And uh, we're a healthcare system in Suffolk County, New York. We are um, one of the flagship uh, hospitals for the space system and uh, have four hospitals, uh, multiple um, ambulatory locations, five health science schools, and um, some just amazing Stony Brook experts and, and leaders. We, we're very blessed to have such great expertise and innovation, and we're very blessed also to be in the top 1% of, of hospitals from a health grade perspective. So we're um, really excited to constantly share information and, and talk with others and learn from others on topics like we're, we're gonna discuss today. Absolutely, well, fantastic. And congratulations on the health grade recognition. I know that is definitely something to be celebrated and not an easy uh, recognition and designation. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, now, from your perspective, what are some of the big opportunities and headwinds that you have your eye on right now? What's really top of mind? Yeah, I think that's, that's a question that a lot of people uh, are struggling with and keep people up at night and, and are working um, tirelessly day in and day out on. I think some of the big headwinds that, that we're all facing are just the staffing shortages and the staffing challenges. And, you know, if you look at statistics before the pandemic, we were already headed toward a staffing, a lull, if you will, or a decline, if you will, in the number of staff required to care for patients, um, even before the pandemic. And post-pandemic, obviously, that has exasperated that problem for healthcare as an industry. And so we are uh, looking at that uh, specifically and how can we use technology and how can we use new processes and new, um, new, new care models, if you will, to help really optimize uh, the care delivery that we provide, whether it's ambulatory care, care in the home, care in the hospital, but the care processes and the staffing are very important for us right now. And then also just looking at opportunities to grow, um, looking at technology solutions, looking at ways that we can think differently about how we innovate for healthcare for the future. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when you look at the opportunities ahead and, and how to be innovative, I, I know it's just a lot of possibilities right now, especially as you talked about, you know, some of the challenges breed opportunities in growth and development. So in particular, when you're looking at the staffing challenges, what can organizations do today in order to set themselves up for success in the future? Is there anything that any initiatives that you've done um, at Stony Brook Medicine that have really been successful or, or shown results? Absolutely. I, I think one of the things that's really um, an interesting topic right now that many healthcare organizations are thinking about looking at is the concept of virtual nursing, especially for in-hospital care. There are 
a lot of things that experienced virtual nurses can do to help augment the nurses that are on the units or in the departments, um, emergency departments and other departments. And we are actively looking at multiple use cases for how can we really engage a virtual nursing platform to help really add to and um, emphasize the nursing care protocols and processes that we have on our different areas within the hospital. Um, thinking about that, you know, in terms of virtual assistance for the ambulatory care models and, and how do we use virtual assistance to really help streamline processes and standardize processes behind the scenes. And, um, and honestly, you know, looking at how do we help make sure that those are the right models that, that not only help improve the care, but help provide that additional um, customer touch, if you will, or patient uh, touch, if you will, so that we're more accessible, more readily available to take care of, of the patient's needs, regardless of what they are, and um, more responsive in a more timely fashion. So lots of positives with regard to virtual nursing and, and virtual wins for virtual assistants. Um, so those are, those are some of the things we're working on. We're also working on um, you know, different elements of technology. We're also working at um, different elements of you know, how do we really think about our life science programs as um, our organization is an academic medical center. So we have an academic, a research, and a clinical care mission. And we're blessed because we have five health science programs. And those health science programs are really thinking about the future of healthcare and the future models of healthcare. So when we think about years from now, whether it be three, five, eight, ten, and we think about what does care look like, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the community, whether it's at an ambulatory site or in the hospital, we're really looking at what do those models look like and how do we use interdisciplinary uh, research, how do we use interdisciplinary uh, academic curricula to really help drive the teaching, education, and the experience for our students so that when they graduate, they're ready for that next level of model of care, whatever that might be. So I don't think anyone really has a crystal ball and knows exactly what that will look like, but we know that more technology-enabled solutions will be available. We know that teamwork is going to be hugely important. Uh, interdisciplinary uh, ways to work, whether it's virtually or in person, are very, very important. So we're not only looking at the care aspect of technology and how to iterate, but we're also looking at the curriculum, the teaching experience, and how do we design for that future so we can prepare our students for that future? I love that. I think that makes so much sense, you know, and it is really very much in line with trying to build for the future and making sure that you're successful no matter what's in store for us. Um, I'm wondering too, and you touched on this a little bit, but how are you thinking about growth and adding value to the organization overall? I think obviously the staffing challenges in, in whatever you can do to uh, solve some of that and leverage technology, the virtual nurses, et cetera, um, certainly plays into that. But overall, where are spaces where you really, as the uh, chief strategy and transformation officer, can work with teams to add value overall? That's a great question, Laura. When I think about growth and I think about our strategy for the future, I think broader than just the traditional sense of mergers and acquisitions and partners. I think, you know, we see that in the news and, and on Becker's every day where different organizations are coming together. Um, we have seen an, an exponential increase in the number of disruptive partnerships, whether those be perceived positively or otherwise, 
where you see non-healthcare providers getting into the healthcare space. You see things like Amazon Care. You see things like um, some of the retail uh, pharmacies getting into care models and, and really you know, pushing into the primary care models. You see uh, large acquisitions. You see lots of different things going on across the U.S. And I think the one theme and the one takeaway that I think about when I think about growth and how we're going to remain um, relevant to our mission moving forward is how do we really think about which of those partners are appropriate for health systems or health platforms to partner with versus which are things that we need to grow and develop internally. And I'll give you an example. Um, when you think about things like con consumer convenience and you think about how patients and or consumers now can use their cell phones to just, you know, get a quick urgent care call or um, engage with a retail provider to also get care and other elements of their services. We really have to think differently and outside of the box. Um, you know, I hear about organizations that are using Geek Squad and they're using um, Instacart and they're using other platforms that are non-healthcare related to deliver health, wellness, as well as care services. So I think as healthcare evolves, we cannot ignore the fact that there are other non-healthcare provider platforms out there that could be an example for us to look at and or even potentially partner with to provide new care in different settings, especially I'm thinking of the home um, and in the communities. Absolutely. That's fascinating to think about, just especially when you look at those non-traditional companies and the ways that uh, they can really, you know, jump in and, and make perfect partners for healthcare organizations um, in, in a way that, you know, is, is extremely innovative. I love the examples of especially thinking about the Geek Squad or, or leveraging other community partnerships um, to really help people access care in a way that, you know, we wouldn't have done in the past, basically. Exactly. You know, all of us have finite resources, right? Healthcare bottom lines are shrinking and, you know, in the negative, trying to come back into the positive and continuing to struggle routinely, especially with the rising cost of, of healthcare labor. And the more we think about how these other platforms have really been able to utilize um, more cost-effective, more efficient, more affordable options, I think those are really important. And we, we cannot ignore the fact that, um, that those are available to consumers and consumers have choice. And so in order for us to be able to, as a healthcare ecosystem, uh, be relevant, I think we really need to pay attention to what are the right things for us to partner on as whether it be a healthcare system, whether, you know, regardless of who you are and how you might be able to use those, those other platforms rather than recreating that and spending your, your precious capital on that. Fantastic. And, and speaking of that precious capital, I know there's a lot going on right now in the space. A lot of organizations are um, facing tighter margins and thinner budgets than they have in the past. But from your perspective, where is an area where it's still important to uh, you know, invest right now or a risk that's worth taking this year that really is helpful for organizations as they're moving forward? So I think for us, you know, at Stony Brook Medicine, there are a couple of areas that we're really paying attention to in terms of investments. And some of those areas relate back to our mission where, you know, we're really thinking about all aspects of an academic enterprise, thinking about, um, 
bench science all the way to patient care and how do we translate all those learnings across those systems. And so uh, one of the things that we're really focusing in on is how do, we, how do we take that science, that scientific discovery and turn that into uh, translatable care that's affordable, that makes sense, and that is high quality for the patients and or consumers that we're caring for. So um, th those are really important for us as an academic organization. I think that there are lots of other things that organizations are, are focusing on and we, we will continue to focus on as well. Um, we're really also looking at technology solutions and how to really use not just a, not just a digital front door, right? Not your, your typical digital front door, but how do we use AI and machine learning and the internet of things? And, and how do we really bridge together a comprehensive portfolio of services as well as offerings, whether we, we build it, we buy it, or we partner, right? Those are always strategic questions you have to ask yourself, regardless of what model you use, but what are the right, what's the right portfolio of services and the right portfolio of technology solutions that will really help us transform the care models, the academic models, and frankly, our research. Fascinating times we live in to really have all those different technologies at our fingertips and, and see where they most likely will apply to healthcare, where they're most useful and helpful. Um, I know especially artificial intelligence is moving quickly and is transforming all industries, but healthcare, you know, among those that is making an impact on right now. Um, what are the discussions like around AI and machine learning um, in particular when you're thinking through, you know, what's the best way, most responsible way to use this um, with your executive team? That's a great question. You know, we, we just in fact had a discussion this morning with a small group talking about AI and machine learning and and predictive analytics. And we we actually have been fortunate um, here at Stony Brook Medicine. We have a department of um, biomedical informatics. That's a it's a program that's uh, with the Renaissance School of Medicine as well as with the School of Engineering. And so we have our own in-house experts and. Some of the things that we have really been looking at are what are the things that are really ready for prime time and what are really ready for us to adopt and adapt versus what things do we want to build internally. Um, so I'll give you an example. We're, we're looking at like to say, for example, obviously high acuity um, care is an area of, of expertise for us, but also an area where we are having capacity issues in a positive way where we're full. And so how do we manage length of stay? How do we use that and work with vendors appropriately to then look at all the variables associated with that? Um, we're also looking at AI for things like uh, clinical decision information. So helping to make sure we're documenting appropriately um, from that perspective. So there's some administrative functions we're looking at. There's definitely clinical functions that we're looking at. But regardless of, of what you look at, in your own organizations, I think it's really important to start with data interoperability. And if you don't have the right data interoperability, um, machine learning and AI learning can, cannot do its full use case, right? So uh, we were talking with one of our experts this morning, giving great examples of how we can um, create the best protocols and algorithms, but if we don't have the right data input feeding into that system, in the, the data lake, data universe, data compartment, whatever you want to call it, then a lot of times you can end up with, you know, not full information um, or not good insights. 
And so if we're going to use AI and machine learning, we have to make sure we're doing it in a way that's effective, a way that we're double checking and cross checking it from a quality perspective, making sure that we're using it in an appropriate ethical manner, um, and then making sure that we have the people in the processes to support the technologies, not just the technology alone. And I think a lot of times people implement technology and they think, okay, wow, that's great. Now we have that technology, but you have to test it. You have to continually test it and QA it and check it. And um, that's part of the conversation that we were having this morning is how do we create the right processes and structures to really make sure that, that we're getting the best use out of that technology. I love that. I think that's such an important way to look at artificial intelligence and, and certainly making sure that you know you have the right guardrails up um, so that you're not getting in territory that could be unsafe from a quality standpoint or, or the ethical standpoint. I think, as you mentioned, it's very much evolving. So uh, thank you for outlining and laying out um, you know the very practical ways that uh, executive teams are, are trying to make sure that, you know, they're staying ahead of the technology, but at the same time, you know, leveraging it in a way that makes sense for them. Um, before we uh, wrap up here, I wanted to ask one more question. Where do you see some of the best opportunities for yourself, uh, yourself when you're thinking about growth and development in the future? Um, you know, where do you see yourself growing and, and how do you want to evolve the role that you're in? That's a great question, Laura. You know, I think about Stony Brook Medicine and I think about all of the, the deep pockets of innovation that we have with some of our experts. And I think about the academic and um, education mission that we serve and how we're really serving the next generation of healthcare workers and, and, that, and our research is serving the next generation of care models. So that's hugely exciting to me. Um, in my role, because I get to see how that will unfold and how we how we're driving toward changes that will really transform things for the future. And so to me, that's really exciting. So, so it's not necessarily traditional growth in terms of volume growth or revenue growth, but I think those growth areas in terms of just professional development are very important. Academic uh, research are hugely important. And then finally, you know, we're looking at um, just how do we grow as a platform I think I've shared this with you once before. You know, we are moving the way, moving away from the word health system, and and focusing on the word health platform because we really have to provide that portfolio of services that are really going to resonate with the consumers and the patients, and with our our, our partners, whether they be traditional partners or non-traditional partners. We really have to look at it with a broad brush perspective, so that we have the right solutions that are personalized that really help with prevention, that really help with wellness, um, not just taking care of patients where they're, when they're sick, but really looking at that full gambit. And so our growth areas are really to focus also on prevention, um, predictive uh, analytics that will help with um, prevention and then personalized care and precision care through, through the lens of, of our academic research, as well as through the lens of our consumer uh, when they're trying to make their healthcare choices. I love that. Liz, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon and seeing you this fall at our live events. Thanks, Laura. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and talk to the team at Beckers. I, I appreciate the time and I look forward to seeing you soon. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. 
It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Thank you.